morning to each one this morning. I want to greet you in Jesus' precious name. Thank you for your prayers. I greatly appreciate them. For a message this morning, I feel that the Lord has directed me to a message that deals with choices. You know, each of us make choices every day. Some of them are big choices, some are small choices. But each of us make choices, and those choices affect our life, maybe in a little way, maybe in a large way. Some people feel like they can't really help where they're at or what they're facing today because of choices that their parents made. And to some of that, that might be true. But each one of us has a choice to make. From this point forward, what are we going to do? How are we going to, um, what choice are we going to make to follow God or to do his will? The choice is yours. The choice is mine. So this morning we'll be looking at a couple Bible characters that made choices and we will see how those choices affected their life. We will begin with King Saul. And so I invite you to 1 Samuel chapter 9. And we know that Saul began when he, when he was called or, or sought to, to become king. It seems like he was a very humble person, a humble young man. And we see that in his response to Samuel here in 1 Samuel 9. And we'll be uh, reading verses 18 to 21. Him and his, uh, one of the servants that his dad had were out looking for some donkeys that were lost. And they couldn't find them. And so they decide to go see Samuel, who they called a seer, to see if he could help them. And so we will begin reading in verse 18. Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, Tell me, I pray thee, where the seer's house is. And Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me unto the high place, for ye shall eat with me today, and tomorrow I will let thee go, and will tell thee all that is in thine heart. And as for thine asses that were lost three days ago, set not thy mind on them, for they are found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on thee? And on all thy father's house? And Saul answered and said, I am, am not I a Benjamite, Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Wherefore then speakest thou so to me? So, it might be a little unclear to us, but what Samuel is referring to here is that Saul was the one that was going to be anointed king. The children of Israel didn't have a king up to this point. They were wanting a king, and, and Saul was the one that God chose to be their king. And we see him wondering, Saul is wondering about this. I'm from the smallest of all the tribes, and my family is the least of the tribe of Benjamin. Why? Why will I be the one anointed? He seems quite humble. Then if we go on to the next chapter, 10, verse 21, 
here Samuel is getting all the people together to show them or to present to them their king, King Saul. And we will also once again see Saul's response to this situation. Verse 21. When he had caused the tribe of Benjamin, talking about Samuel, to come near by the fam- their families, the family of Matri was taken, and Saul, the son of Kish, was taken. And when they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore they inquired of the Lord farther, if the man should yet come thither. And the Lord answered, Behold, he hath hid himself among the stuff. And it says they ran and fetched him. So, This was the big day. Samuel was going to present Saul to the people. And where do we find Saul? He is hiding amongst the stuff. Again, I don't know all the reasons for his choice in doing this, but it appears like he was coming across as a a very humble man. He didn't want to just be out there in front. But it doesn't take long, and his attitude changes. If we go to chapter 13, verses 1 to 4. We see something a little different. Saul reigned one year, and when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose him 3,000 men of Israel, whereof 2,000 were with Saul in Mishmash, and in the Mount Beth and in Mount Bethel, and a thousand were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin, and the rest of the people he sent every man to his tent. And Jonathan smote the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba, and the Philistines heard of it, and Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. And all Israel heard say that Saul had smitten a garrison of the Philistines, and that Israel also was was had an abomination with the Philistines, and the people were called together after Saul to Gilgal. As I mentioned, we see something a little different happening here. Jonathan gets up with his men, and they go and smite the garrison of the Philistines. He has a thousand men with him. Saul has quite a few more men with him. And yet we don't see him out doing this. But Jonathan goes forward and does this. And yet what is announced to the people? It appears like it's not really the truth. It says, And all Israel heard in verse 4 that Saul had smitten a garrison of the Philistines. And I know at times we can work together with people or work for someone, and sometimes we say, well, we did this, or we are doing this, and, and it is to include that, you know, I'm participating in that. But we don't see that's exactly how it, it comes across here. It, it seems to be misrepresented so that Saul looked good in saying that he had done this when really it was his son, Jonathan, Let's move a little farther along in this passage, verses 5 to 14. 
we will continue to see some of the choices that Saul is making. And the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen, and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. And they came up and pitched in Mishmash, castward from Beth Haven. I want us to, to note the amount of people here, the Philistines that came up. It was a huge number of people. And it says, as many as the sands of the seashore. So I can't quite imagine seeing a multitude or, or that many people coming, wanting to fight with me. And we will see how Saul's men respond to this situation in verse 6. When the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait, for the people were distressed, then the people did hide themselves in caves and in thickets and in rocks and in high places and in pits. And some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was yet in Gilgal, and all the people followed him, trembling. And he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed, but Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, Bring hither a burnt offering to me, and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. So Saul was supposed to wait here before he went into battle for Samuel to come. Samuel said, wait seven days and I will come. And then I will offer this peace offering and this burnt offering for you. And it appears the morning of the seventh day came and, and there's no Samuel. Samuel doesn't show up. And Saul is very distressed about this because... Look at this great multitude of Philistines that are here. Saul's people are all vanishing and hiding in the mountains. Saul's feeling pretty lonely. And what is he to do? He can't continue to wait, he don't think, for Samuel to show up. So he begins to take matters into his own hands. He makes a choice to take things into his own hands, to do things his way instead of listening to what Samuel told him. Verse 10, And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offerings, behold, Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him, that he might salute him. Seems like Saul is trying to put on a, a good front here. And Samuel said, What hast thou done? And Saul said, Because I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that thou camest not within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Mishmash. Therefore said I, The Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. How does Samuel respond to this? And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly, Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. So this choice or these choices that Saul was making 
was going to change a lot in his life and in the future of his family. The kingdom was taken from him, and he wouldn't be able to pass it on down to his son, Jonathan. All because of this choice that he made in disobeying God and taking matters into his own hands. You know, I think maybe his thoughts, the idea behind what he was doing, maybe wasn't all bad. He wanted to offer sacrifices to the Lord, but it wasn't in the proper manner, in the proper way that God had said he should. And we can think of the life of Cain and Abel. Both of them offered sacrifices to God. Abel's was pleasing to God because he did it cor correctly. He obeyed the way that he was supposed to offer that sacrifice, but Cain's offering was displeasing because he didn't offer it correctly. He didn't follow the instructions God had given. And here we see in Saul's life, he is not being obedient. He is making a choice to disobey. Also, we can look a couple chapters later in chapter 15, verses 22 and 23. Again, Samuel tells, talks to, to Saul about choices he is making. Verse 22, verses 22 and 23, he says, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than to the fat of rams. For rebellion is at the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as, is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. So while Saul attempted to do maybe something correct, Yet because he was disobeying God, he was incorrect. And as Samuel mentioned here in these verses, obedience is better than sacrifice. How willing are we to obey? So we see in the choices that Saul made, there were long-lasting side effects to those choices. The kingdom was taken from him, and he was troubled with a spirit, and so on. Now I want to look at the life of Jonathan and look at the choices that he made and how it caused a different outcome in his life. We know that Jonathan was the oldest son of Saul, and he would have been the next to sit on the throne, but that was taken away from him because of the choices of his dad. And so do we find Jonathan all bitter and upset because of this? We don't read about that at all. We actually find a very different young man. We find a man that was very courageous, a man that was humble, a man that was faithful, and a man that was very friendly. He didn't allow the choices that his dad made to 
cause him to become bitter and disgruntled with, with God and with even his dad. We see that he respected his dad very much, that he honored his dad as long as it wasn't going against what God asked of him to do. So let's look at some of the courageous actions of Jonathan. We'll go back to chapter 14. We'll read verse 1 and then skip on down to verses 6 to 16. And we find ourselves back here where um, Saul was and there was this great multitude in the previous chapters there in verse 6 we noted of, of the Philistines that were gathered wanting to go into battle. And in verse 1, it says, now it came to, of chapter 14, Now it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come, and let us go over to the Philistine garrison that is on the other side. But he told not his father. Skipping on down to verses 6 to 16. And Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come, and let us go over unto the garrison of the uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And here we see some of the faith coming out of Jonathan, his trust and belief in what God could do. And he is choosing to follow God's direction. Verse 7, And his armor bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. Then said Jonathan, Behold, we will pass over unto these men, and we will discover ourselves unto them. If they say thus unto us, Tarry until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place, and will not go up unto them. But if they say thus, Come up unto us, then we will go up, for the Lord hath delivered them into our hand, and this shall be a sign unto us. So they're coming up to this group of Philistines, and it appears the Philistines are up on top of a, a cliff, a steep hill, and they are looking down upon Jonathan and his armor bearer. And Jonathan said, we'll go and make ourselves known. We'll let them see us, and we'll wait on their response to see what we should do next. And so that's what they did. Start with verse 11 and 8. And both of them discovered themselves unto the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes where they had hid themselves. And the men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said unto his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and upon his feet and his armor-bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan, and his armor-bearer slew after him. And that first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor-bearer made was about twenty men, within as it was a half acre of land, which a yoke of oxen might plow. And there was trembling in the host, in the field, and among the people. The garrison and the spoilers, they also trembled, and the earth quaked, so it was a very great trembling. And the watchmen of Saul and Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude melted away, and they went on, beating down one another. So what do we see happening here? Jonathan steps forward in faith. He feels the Lord 
leading him, I believe. And as him and his armor bearer go and allow the, the Philistines to see them, they wait for their response, as I mentioned. And, and they, the Philistines say, come on up the hill. Come on up the cliff. We will show you a thing. I imagine they had something in mind that they were going to, to show Jonathan. And this was apparently a fairly steep hill or cliff that Jonathan and his armor bearer needed to go up because it says they were climbing on all fours on their hands and knees trying to get up. And how vulnerable Jonathan was in doing this. And why the Philistines didn't just go ahead and start rolling rocks or something down on them to keep them from coming up, I don't know, except that God was ultimately in control. And Jonathan had that faith in God, as he said back um, in verse 6, I believe it was, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. So while it looks like it was only Jonathan and his armor bearer going, to do this, God was with them. God was helping them. And God ultimately was the one that was in control. In verse 15, what happens? It said there was trembling in the host, talking about the Philistines. They were frightened. And among all the people, the garrison and the spoilers, they also trembled. They were scared and the earth quaked. So it was a very great trembling. In the NIV, it says it was a panic sent by God. So we see God at work here. And the people become so scared, they turn on one another. The Philistines do and start killing each other and running and they're scared and flee. And this is something that Saul can even see from where he is in verse 16. And the watchman of Saul, or, or his watchman at least, in Gibeah of Bethlehem, Benjamin, sorry, looked and behold, the multitude melted away and they went on beating down one another. So it was very evident that something strange was happening. Why was this happening in the Philistines camp? And even saw questions. If we look at the next verses, 17 through 23, get a little better picture. Then said Saul unto the people that were with him, number now and see who is gone from us. Remember, he didn't know that Jonathan had actually left. And, and when they had numbered, behold, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. And Saul said unto Ahiah, Bring hither the ark of God, for the ark of God was at that time with the children of Israel. And it came to pass, while Saul talked unto the priest, unto the priest, that the noise that was in the host of the Philistines went on and increased. And Saul said unto the priest, Withdraw thine hand. And Saul and all the people that were with him assembled themselves, and they came to the battle. And behold, every man's sword was against his fellow, and there was a very great discomfiture. Moreover, the Hebrews that were with the Philistines before that time, which went up with them into the camp from the country round about, even they also turned to be with the Israelites. 
and were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, all the men of Israel, which had hid themselves in Mount Ephraim, when they heard that the Philistines fled, even they also followed hard after them in the battle. They weren't so scared anymore, were they, after they saw what was happening? The Philistines were fleeing, so they came out of hiding. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle passed over unto Beth Haven. I want us to take note of verse 23. It says, the Lord saved Israel that day. It was the Lord that had done this. But the Lord wanted someone to be willing to go up, I believe. And Jonathan was that man. Jonathan and his armor bearer had faith in God. They knew what God could do. They believed that he could work a miracle here. I don't know exactly what all was going through their mind, but yet they trusted in God and were willing to make a choice and step out in faith and follow God's leading. I want to encourage each of you. I want to, this is for me too. We need to be men of courage who are willing to stand up, to speak up, and in faith move forward. It is easy to hope or allow someone else to do that, you know, or to, to be a follower. But what are we willing to do? But if we feel God calling us to action, we need to be willing to be bold and stand up, even if we are alone, as Jonathan was here. He had his armor bearer that was a very big support to him, but Jonathan stepped out in faith. I know I wouldn't have enjoyed climbing that mountain or the cliff with the enemy looking down at me, but Jonathan felt God leading him to do that, and he faithfully obeyed, and God blessed and protected him. Very good example for us on choices. Another characteristic that we see in Jonathan, in a choice that he made, is in 1 Samuel 17, well, and 18 actually more. In chapter 17, David kind of shows up on the scene. He, he is noted before this because he went and played for Saul when Saul was being troubled by the evil spirit. And so as he would play his harp, it would comfort, comfort Saul. And then Jesse, David's dad, wants him to go and see how David's brothers are doing who were serving Saul. In chapter 17, David shows up and there is a giant that is scaring the, Philistine, the, the children of Israel and wants them to come out and fight him, and no one's willing to go. And we know this story very well. David says that he would go. And we know what happened. God was with him. David also made a choice to go and to trust in God, and God led him and helped him in that. So the very last verse in chapter 17 he comes back and Saul wants to talk to him. And it says, And Saul said to him, Whose son art thou? 
thou young man? And David answered, I am the son of thy servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. And then skipping on down to the next um, seven verses in chapter 18. And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, which I don't know how long this conversation went on and who all was involved. Jonathan might have been right there. That the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as, as his own soul. And Saul, looked, and Saul took him that day, and would let him go no more home to his father's house. So Saul lays claim of, of David and wants him to stay there with him. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. And Saul sent him over the men of war. And he was accepted accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And it came to pass as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistines that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy, and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Here there at the beginning of the chapter, we see a friendship developing between Jonathan and David. Jonathan must have noticed something special about David, and I don't know how much contact they had with each other before, as David would have been around some. But there was a special friendship developing. And as I tried to picture in my mind what was taking place here, we think of Prince Jonathan, the next one that is supposed to be king. He is Saul's right-hand man in the, in the line for the throne. We have already noted that he was a good leader. He had defeated the Philistines with God's help. Or God had, and, and he obeyed God in, in doing what he was supposed to. But suddenly this poor shepherd boy appears and defeats a giant. Or kills a giant, and everyone is noticing that Dave, what David has done, and Jonathan isn't even noticed, it appears. How does Jonathan respond to this? Again, he has a choice to make. How would that make you feel? You know, I've seen this happen before. Someone new comes into the community, a new youth or whatever, a family moves in, and all of a sudden, their children become very popular, and, and um, everybody wants to be friends with them, which is good to be welcoming and so on. But all of a sudden, maybe your friends are leaving you because they want to go be with the new people. How does that make you feel? It's not always very pleasant. But, you know, David is all of a sudden being noticed very much. What were the feelings that Jonathan had? Jonathan made good choices. Jonathan was attracted. Jonathan wanted to be a friend of David's. Why do you think Jonathan was attracted to David? What made him want to become his friend or be his friend? One of the reasons that I thought of is maybe he could see, or I'm sure he could see, 
that David was following God. David also was a man willing to stand up and move forward as Jonathan had done earlier. And I can see that these two men had a type of kindred spirit is what came to my mind. I looked up that to see exactly what it what it did mean. And it says a person who has the same opinions, feelings, and interests as you. And we see that a lot here in the life of Jonathan and David. They both were young men who were willing to stand up, to obey God, and move forward. They also established a covenant between them. And I don't know what all this covenant was to mean or what it meant, what it was meant to signify, but it does seem to involve a pledge of mutual loyalty and friendship. And it's very interesting what Jonathan does here in this covenant. Verse 4, And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David, even to his sword and to his bow. So interesting. What all was this supposed to signify? Again, we don't know exactly, but by this time, Jonathan probably knows, understands that he will not be the next king and that it would be someone else. Don't know if he knew it would be David or not, but it is interesting that he passes on his his robe and his sword and his bow to David in this covenant. We see a very unselfish young man here in Jonathan, someone that values obedience to God and submission to God's will. It is a choice that he made. Someone once said, you can make more friends in two months by becoming interested in other people than you can in two years by trying to get other people interested in you. And we can kind of see that in Jonathan's life. He was interested in David, and he befriended him and shown great love towards him. We can read a little bit more about another covenant that they made later on in chapter 20. I won't take the time to read it, but here... Jonathan was quite concerned what would happen to him and to his family once David became king. And he wanted to make sure that they were taken care of. And David promises that they would be. Also in this chapter, Jonathan is willing to find out exactly how Saul feels about David. David had been being pursued by Saul Saul had tried to kill David on various occasions. And here, Jonathan is is also saying that I will try to find out exactly how my dad is feeling about you right now. And we see in verses 30 to 34 that Saul becomes so angry and upset with Jonathan and the relationship that he has with David that he even tries to kill his own son, to kill Jonathan. Let's just read those verses real quickly. Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan, and he said unto him, again, this was a choice that Saul made. 
Thou son of the perverse, rebellious woman, do not I know that thou hast chosen the son of Jesse to thine own confusion and unto the confusion of thy mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse liveth upon the ground, thou shalt not be established nor thy kingdom. Wherefore now send and fetch him unto me, for he shall surely die. You see a very bitter man. And Jonathan answered Saul, his father, and said unto him, Wherefore shall he be slain? What hath he done? And Saul cast a javelin at him to smite him, speaking of Jonathan, whereby Jonathan knew that it was, a, that it was determined of his father to slay David. So Jonathan arose from the table in anger, in fierce anger, and did eat no meat the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father had done him shame. So Saul gets so angry with Jonathan that he is willing and tries, attempts to even kill him. How sad. The choices that Saul was making was causing him to become so bitter inside and not have any love and understanding what was happening but we see that Jonathan is quite a bit different and even though things maybe don't seem real fair to him you know decisions that his dad made was affecting him yet he was still willing to be obedient to God he made a choice to obey God and to show love to David So what made Jonathan so unselfish? Throughout different of these verses, we see that Jonathan had a faith in God. He trusted in God and knew that God knew what was best for his life. He was, it seems, decreasing in popularity while his friend was increasing in popularity, but yet he was okay with that. He was trusting in God. How do we respond in situations like this? When our friends get noticed and maybe even praised or promoted when they do a good thing or deed. Maybe sometimes it feels like no matter what you do, no one even notices or appreciates you. Can you still rejoice in the work God is doing through your friend who is being praised? Can you be a good friend like Jonathan was to David? How can we have an attitude like Jonathan did? He was more concerned about his relationship with God and being in God's will than he was concerned about his popularity in the kingdom or striving to, to keep the kingdom or the throne. He was more concerned about his relationship with God and being in God's will. The verse that comes to mind is in Romans 12:3. And if we can remember this and apply it to our life, it will help us with choices that we make. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. You know, we see a difference in the life of Saul and the life of Jonathan in the way that they 
thought about this. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. You see, Saul just became quite proud and taking things into his own hands, doing it his way, making wrong choices. But we need to think soberly, more like Jonathan did. My desire is that we would be more concerned about being in the Father's will and doing what he calls us to do rather than striving so hard to be noticed, being number one. I also have to think about some verses that Jesus said in John 15, 12 to 14. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Jonathan didn't literally lay down his life for David, but yet he, in a very humble, submissive way, in a loving way, surrendered so that David could move forward, so that God could put David in his place. Are we willing to submit to God's will? I trust that, that we are. May the Lord bless you this week as you will have choices to make. Some of them are small choices, such as what groceries I'm going to buy, what food I'm going to eat, but others may be larger choices, bigger decisions that you have to make. How will you make those decisions? Will you allow God to direct you in those things? Or will you try to just do it your own way, as Saul did. I trust that we can think about the example of Jonathan and his willing, willingness to submit to God and be obedient to him as we make choices this week. And Lord bless you.